And welcome to the Faith Over Fear podcast, where we attack our most pervasive fears with truth. Because life is too short for any of us to live enslaved. We are passionate about helping God's children live in freedom. We would love to chat with you online or on social media. Visit our show notes to learn how to connect with us. I'm Jennifer Slattery. And I'm Shelley Arnold. And we have both found ourselves in situations where we felt vulnerable and endangered by other people's actions and reactions. And you probably have as well. You probably will again. Maybe we'll work for an angry reactionary boss who threatens to fire us if we don't comply to his irrational demands. Or maybe our spouse acted foolishly. Maybe he lost his job and maybe that led to us losing our home. And maybe we're afraid someone else's foolish choices, their poor behavior, maybe even their outright rebellion against God will ruin our lives or the lives of those we love. Or maybe you're in a relatively good place now, but you're still battling the effects of a time when you were deeply hurt financially, physically, or emotionally by something outside of your control. And now you find it hard to trust God and others. You know, Jennifer, it's interesting you mentioned battling long-term effects of a time when we were deeply hurt. I think, you know, I come from a broken home. And even though my parents were both Christians, and even though we were in church three times a week at least, and every time the doors opened, you know, my mother left my father when I was 12 or 13 years old, and they got divorced. So their divorce and the long-term effects of that, I mean... I had a lot of loss that I suffered from that divorce. We we moved. I lost my home. I lost my friends. I left my neighborhood. We moved to a different county. I had to change schools. I lost my pets, my dogs, which might not sound like a big deal, but for a kid, that can be a really big deal, you know, because your home and your pets and your room and your neighborhood, that's where you kind of find your stability and your safety and your security. There was, there was just so much loss there that I kind of learned wrongly, but I still kind of learned that God wasn't really paying attention, that he wasn't trustworthy. I didn't understand why he didn't stop that from happening. And the result of that for me was that when I looked at Scripture, a lot of times I thought the promises of Scripture were true for everyone but me, which was a lie, but that was still what I believed for a time. And that caused a lot of issues in my spiritual life, my relationship with God, because I wasn't good at trusting Him with big things or with little things because of what I'd experienced from other people's decisions. You know, I think that can happen a lot when something happens, especially in our formative years, and we experience pain, often lies do form, and they impact our view of God. And if we don't believe he's trustworthy, then the world feels so chaotic because it's like we feel like we're victims, orphans in a chaotic world. But then the converse is also true that if we understand who he is, that he is attentive, that he is trustworthy then no matter what hits us, we're able to stand secure. And as you were telling your story, I was thinking about a passage in scripture. So a story about a time when a woman found herself in a somewhat similar situation. So not a divorce, but in a situation where someone else's behavior threatened her life, really. And we read about her in 1 Samuel 25, when she found herself and her entire household in crisis. So historically speaking, this was before David became Israel's second king. And for him, it was a period of high stress, high mourning, and probably just deep emotional angst. 
And so in many ways, he acted uncharacteristically. So typically, he surrendered everything to God, entrusting God to protect him, to provide for him, to avenge whatever wrongs he had experienced. But then he encountered a man named Nabal who basically scorned him. And suddenly, David, the one who had so faithfully trusted in God's vindication, sought vengeance. Oh, that's right, Jennifer. That's exactly right. And after this, David and his men, which believe it or not, they numbered about 600 at this point, they moved to the desert of Mon, where wealthy Nabal and his wife Abigail lived. Now, scripture tells us this man, Nabal, was surly and mean in his dealings. Can you imagine being described that way in the Bible? But that his wife was an intelligent and beautiful woman. Now, this was during sheep shearing time, which culturally would have been a very festive time characterized by extreme generosity. So David sent his men to speak to Nabal, and we see what they said in 1 Samuel 25, 7 and 8. He says, now I hear that it is sheep shearing time. When your shepherds were with us, we did not mistreat them. And the whole time they were at Carmel, nothing of theirs was missing. Ask your own servants and they will tell you. That would have been a huge deal, a a huge service that David and his men provided, acting like a wall around the shepherds, as scripture put it. So probably protecting them from raiding armies, maybe even the Philistines. Right. And that would have been part of Nabal's wealth, right? His sheep and his possessions. And so one would expect Nabal to have expressed gratitude, but he didn't. Instead, we see in verses 8 through 22 that he basically called David an unknown fugitive. So David's men returned to him and told him all that had occurred, and David became enraged. He, he says in verse 13, each of you strap on your sword, and they did, and David did as well. And about 400 men went up with David, while 200 stayed back with their supplies. Now, here's what's interesting. Abigail was not present when all of this happened. So verse 17 shows us what actually happened, how Abigail learned what had happened. One of Nabal's servants came and told her and said, now think it over and see what you can do. And some translations actually show it this way, consider carefully what you must do. So without telling her husband, she quickly planned a peace offering of sorts, basically a giant banquet. And she instructed the servants to prepare this enormous amount of food and load it up and take it to David. And then she followed. And we continue. So in 1 Samuel 25, verse 23, tells us when Abigail saw David, she quickly got off her donkey. She bowed down before David with her face to the ground. Then she basically affirmed him. So she stated that God would raise him to kingship, reminding David of God's trustworthiness and encouraging him not to take vengeance. And then verse 32 says, David said to Abigail, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, who has sent you today to meet me. May you be blessed for your good judgment and for keeping me from bloodshed this day and from avenging myself with my own hands. And then later down in verse 35, David accepted from her hand what she had brought him and said, go home in peace. I have heard your words and granted your request. So he didn't slaughter her entire family. Which is awesome, right? 
So she, she avoided all this, this bloodshed, or at least it looks like she did, right? So she returns home, and her husband is having a huge party, and he's drunk. So she can't even tell him what has happened. She waits until the next morning when he's sober to tell him what she'd done. Now, Scripture describes his reaction that next morning as he became like stone. And we don't, need, we don't know exactly what that means. It could be a stroke. Did he have a heart attack that led to a coma? It's, it's unclear. But about a week to a week and a half later, Nabal actually died. And when David heard about Nabal's death, he sent for Abigail eventually to make her his wife. Wow. And, you know, there is so much in this story. I mean, Shelly and I have been discussing it actually for quite a while, and I wish we had time today to discuss it all, but we strongly encourage you to read all of 1 Samuel 25, especially noting the wisdom that Abigail displayed. Yeah, I see so many things that that she did well, that she did that were smart, you know, things that she did to kind of de-escalate David's anger and, and diffuse that. Everything from you know, from the beginning where she, she approaches him with an attitude of humility and she humbles herself before him and kind of turns his attention back to, to what she knows of as God's plan for his life. She honors that. She honors his position. She honors his authority. She honors his strength, right? And, and she just humbles herself before them, which there's a lot to be said for that. When to, to diffuse someone's anger by humbling yourself. You know, Scripture tells us that a soft answer turns away wrath, and sometimes that's the best solution when you're working with someone who's angry. That's true. And I also, you know, just speaking of her wisdom of, of what word she used in approaching David, we notice, it's interesting, she did not approach her husband. And nor did she, here's what I find interesting too. It's really easy when we're in an unhealthy situation or around people who are foolish or, or reactionary, it's easy for us to begin to behave like them. And we don't see that in Abigail. She, she rises to the situation. We see a lot of integrity. And like I said, she doesn't try to reason with her husband who's drunk and obviously a quote unquote fool. Instead, she speaks truth and wisdom to a man who will receive it. I agree. I agree. She was very smart to do that. She didn't live reacting to what Nabal had done, but rather she she chose to be proactive about the situation itself, which there's a lot of wisdom for us there, isn't it? Because sometimes you can't deal with the person directly if someone is behaving like a fool or is drunk in a sense, you know, he, he was indisposed. He wasn't in his right mind, obviously, if he was drunk. Trying to reason with someone who's unreasonable is, is almost always a dead end. So she didn't try that. She went straight to the other person and tried to reason with them instead, you know, starting with humility and honoring him and then offering, offering basically a peace offering. You know, what I also like too is just speaking about her using wisdom, I noticed the phrasing when the servant said, now think it over. And, and like you said, some translations say, consider it carefully. And it's almost like she kind of shifted into rational thinking. I don't know what she felt in the moment, but if it would have been me, I would have been panicked. And when we're afraid, when we feel threatened, the emotional centers in our brain become highly activated and our rational center sort of shut down. And so then we can respond in numerous ways. We can have a fight response, a flight response, or a freeze response. And none of those are helpful. So flight is when we lash out without thinking. We try to fight back, 
without wisdom. And flight is when we just try to flee the situation, try to avoid it. And freeze is when we just completely shut down, when we think there's nothing we can do. And in all of these responses, we're less likely to think and behave rationally. And our focus too, I think is really important. Our focus is on the situation and on ourselves rather than on God. But Abigail, she appeared to hit pause and to kind of formulate a plan. Well, isn't that the isn't that the temptation though to not rely on God but to rely on ourselves? Because because the lie we're tempted to believe when that happens, and that I bought into, frankly, you know, as a child when my parents divorced, is that we we're going to have to take care of ourselves. That God isn't paying careful attention to my life. That He's not trustworthy, and that I alone am responsible for the outcome. Now. I've I've learned that that isn't true. <laughs> I've learned to to accept and embrace and acknowledge and and learn more about the trustworthiness of God and and see how to see in my life where he has been and is trustworthy despite the fact that my parents divorced that way. But learning that, learning that God is trustworthy, you know, a lot of that we have to depend on the Holy Spirit's leading for that. We have to, we, Abigail didn't have that, but today in our lives, we have access to the Holy Spirit's leading. So when we're in a difficult situation like this, we can, we can pray and we can ask God and we can ask the Holy Spirit to direct us. You know, what is wisdom? How can I humble myself? Is there something I can do to diffuse this person's anger or to react to the situation and not live reacting to the individual, especially if it's someone you're in, you're in continual relationship with and they're a part of your life all the time? That can be quite a challenge to, to see God's hand in the everyday up and down, you know, possible conflicts and, and landmine situations that you're in with difficult people. Absolutely. And so typically as well, people have patterns of behavior. So we know Nabal was a fool. And so we might have fools in our life, people who are reactionary. So in those periods of calm, we can prayerfully consider what are we going to do the next time a similar situation occurs. And so that allows us to be strategic and to seek God's will. He knows their heart and he knows their challenges. He knows their triggers. And we can use past experiences to plan our future responses. Well, there's so much, like I said, in in this passage to really unpack. And I do encourage you to do so. If you have a challenging person in your life, and we probably all do, you may not know how to handle them. You may not know how to handle the situation, but God does. And he does want to guide us into the best response at the best moment. I hope today's episode encouraged you, maybe it just got you to read this passage for yourself, prayerfully considering how it applies to you. And if you haven't already done so, I would encourage you to subscribe to this podcast. Then you won't miss a single episode. Make sure to rate it. That encourages us. It helps others to find it. Until next time, may you live as one who truly has been set free. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to Faith Over Fear, a production of Life Audio and the Salem Web Network. If you enjoyed what you heard today, we'd love for you to head over to your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. To learn more about Jennifer Slattery or to check out any of the resources she mentioned in this episode, just head over to her website, jenniferslatterylivesoutloud.com, or check out our show notes. This episode was produced by Kelly Givens and edited by Stephen Sanders. A special thanks to our executive producer, Stephen McGarvey. 
For more Faith Toolkit podcasts like this, just head over to lifeaudio.com. Hi, friend. Are you stressed, maybe even worried about so many needs around you that you've forgotten you are worth taking care of, too? Well, I'm Bonnie Gray, the host of Breathe, the Stressless podcast. I want to invite you to join me as I share practical tips based on science, inspired by God's Word, to help you spark joy and restore God's peace and love to your soul. Subscribe now and go to lifeaudio.com.